bouncing ball to Hill. There's one, two to Rivera. Can they get three? Yes, they can! Five, four, three, triple play! Aaron Hill, there's one. Yadiel Rivera, there's two. Chris Carter, there's three. Yes. Just goes to show how wrong you can be and how you really should know that it's never too late to get up. Good morning and thank you for worshiping with us at West, whether you're worshiping with us here or whether you're worshiping with us online or at our food truck this morning, we extend a very special and warm welcome to you. We are in a message series that is going to help us discover our strengths. We all have things that we are good at. And so last week when we started worship, we showed this video of people choosing teams to play ball. I want you to clap if you you can think back to grade school and you remember where there were two teams and there was a captain of each team and they would pick, you know, you had to stand in a line and they had to pick who was going to be a part of each team. Uh, will you clap if that's ever been a part of your experience? Will you clap if that has never been a part of your experience? You've never had to endure that? Everybody has had to endure that. Clap if you hated that. So last Sunday, we showed this video of people choosing teams, and there was this one guy that uh, never was chosen. That was my childhood. Every day, we would go out, and we would play kickball, and I would always be the last one chosen for the kickball team. So I've got some baggage, clearly, around that, and hate group sports for that very reason. But the reason people wouldn't choose me is because I stank at it. If a ball came towards me, I would scream and duck, and there was never any hope that I could possibly catch a ball. And then kicking it was even worse. You know, I'd like try to run and then I'd, I'd miss. And then it was awful. So nobody ever wanted me to be a part of their team. Their team. Now that can do a lot to a young person's self-esteem. But over time, I learned that, you know, I may not be good at kickball, but I may be good at other things. We live in a society and in a world where we are in constant competition with one another. What if we stopped being in competition with one another and we look introspectively in our own lives and tried to figure out what it is that we are great at. Not just good at, but great at. What is our strength? And then what if we try to live out of that strength so that we can be successful in what we do? Clifton's Strengths Finder worked with Gallup and did a study for many, many years and finally came up with this thing called Clifton's Strengths Finder. And there's like 34 different strengths that every Everybody, we possess some combination of those. They're called talents as well. And they are the things that we are innately good at. So whether you've taken the Clifton Strengths Finder yet or not, and that's on our website if you would like to take that later on today uh, or this week, whether you've taken it or not, we're going to look at the four different domains of strengths for the next four weeks starting today. And I want you to think about if some of the things that I describe are things that you 
think you are good at. So if you are presented with a problem situation in your life, you know, what do you do first? What are you geared to innately do? Because if that's what you innately do, then most likely that is one of your strengths. Today we're going to talk about the strengths of execution. And we showed the eye of the tiger. You know, I want you to embrace that you can be that mouse, you know, that gets you know, trapped in things, but then we can channel our inner strength and we believe that our inner strength comes from God. We can channel that and then we can make such a difference, not only in our own lives, but a difference in this world. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ. He was the the embodiment of God here on earth and he showed us what it meant to love God, to love self, and to also love one another. So this morning, as we talk about the executing strengths, I want you to to think about for just a few minutes, what keeps you up at night? Like, what causes you to not rest? What causes you to wake up in the middle of the night and be worried about something? Uh, Tyler Antrican, one of the, the leader of our food truck mission, has told me before that he'll wake up in the night worried about a certain component or it keeps him up at night worried. Do we have captains? Do we have this? Do we have that? Tyler's strength and Tyler's passion is about the food truck. Lane would say the same thing about the back to school bash. She would have nightmares that there were not going to be enough tennis shoes or that there were not enough volunteers and she would wake up and not be able to go back to sleep because she would be worried about that. We all have a chance to have a burden that we carry for something that is bigger than ourselves. So if you've answered the question, what keeps you up at night? If that is, you know, paying bills or, you know, trying to find a new house or trying to sell our house or something like that, I want you to put that burden aside for just a little. And this morning, I want us to think about what burdens us for other people. Now, I will confess, I took a few days off this week and spent some time with Lane before she goes back to college this next week. So I have not seen the news. I stayed off social media intentionally. And so last night as we were coming back in town, I got on Facebook, started scrolling through, and I kept seeing these things, uh, pray for Charlottesville. And I'm friends with a lot of clergy online and they had different blogs and things written. So I will confess early on that I don't know the entirety or the truth of what happened in Charlottesville. I haven't had enough time to research that on the news, but clearly uh, something tragic happened there, uh, something that was driven by hate and not love, and lots of different different groups interacting, not driven by love, and you know, perhaps that's something that burdens you. I knew that something serious had happened when I saw a, a clergy person put, uh, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers, and that's all he put. So what is your burden? What is something that keeps you up at night? What is a vision of a preferred future that you have for our community? Because that, if you will keep that in in the forefront of your mind and then find your strengths, you'll make a difference. And I promise when we use our time and our resources to make a difference in the lives of other people, we too become happier and more fulfilled. And isn't that what we want from life, to live a life that is happy and full of joy and full of peace? When we stop looking inward all the time, when we start looking out, when we become champions for 
a vision, for a cause, for a burden that God places in our hearts, we'll find that we're different. And we'll find that we are happy. And we'll find that days have purpose and meaning and a joy that we have not known. So this sermon, this message this morning is a little different. Um, I'm going to walk us through the Clifton Strengths Finder executing strengths. So that might be a little boring for you. I don't normally read messages, but I'm going to actually show you the words and the definitions because I know that the logic is you're probably not going to go home and take the Clifton Strengths Finder. But companies and corporations and organizations really are using this tool to help their employees and to help people be the best version of their, themselves. So I really do believe that this works. The United Methodist Conference uh, put several pastors through this leadership development and in every course that they would bring in the pastors, we all had to take the strengths finder. And once we took it, we're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I wasn't good at that and that I actually do have strengths in this. And I think we also find that when we focus on where our strengths are and we put our energy and our time into that and we quit trying to worry about all the things that we we aren't good at, we'll see that life is different as well. This morning, I want to tie this in with a biblical character, and that's what I'm going to do for the next three weeks as well. I'm going to give you an example of someone from the Bible that I believe their strengths align with the strengths that we are talking about this morning. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about a guy named Nehemiah. Will you clap if you have no idea who Nehemiah is? And don't be ashamed. All right, Nehemiah was this guy in the Old Testament who had a vision and had a burden that he carried to do something. And it was different because, you know, it wasn't like he was walking through his community and he saw this problem and he decided, oh, you know, I see some hungry people over there. I think I'm going to, you know, go find some resources and try to take care of this problem. Nehemiah was a man who had a burden that was laid on his heart and we can believe that it was given to him by God. God working in his soul and in his spirit, and he realized that his people, the Jewish people, really needed a leader. You see, uh, early on with Father Abraham, the, the one of the first people that we read about in the book of Genesis, he left his land he left everything that he had because God told him, I want you to leave. I want you to pick up all that you have and I want you to follow me and I'm going to make you a father of many nations. So Abraham did that. And then all throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, we find different people that would then carry that torch so that they could go and find the promised land. And what the promised land was, was ultimately what became the city of Jerusalem. And so once they got there, many, many leaders laid Later, once they got into the promised land, they built this temple. And in the temple, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. And that is what they thought contained the presence of God. That, that Ark was holy for them. And so it was contained within the temple. And only certain priests could actually go into the, the throne room and be near the Ark of the Covenant. And then so they had this temple that was built. And then they had this city, the city of Jerusalem. This was their pride 
pride and joy. This was their holy and, and sacred space. And they're still fighting over this land even today, uh, over in that part of our world. And it, it's sad and it's tragic. But these people, this was their land, their holy land. They thought God resided there. They did not understand yet what we understand, that God resides in each of us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that works in our lives. They, they didn't quite understand that. They felt like God was contained in this Ark of the Covenant, uh, which was the, in the tabernacle, which was in the temple, and only the highest of the highest of the elite priests could go in there. So it's the sacred and holy space, and then they have this big city, and around this big city, they built walls. Because back then, they fought their battles over land uh, through wars, and they thought nothing about destroying different groups of people. And so there's the city, the sacred city, and they built walls around the city. I want you to take a look at the city of Jerusalem and the walls. So you can see the, the flags flying. And, and if you could look over the walls inside the structure, you would see the temple and, and the remnants of Jerusalem. But these were the walls. And the walls went all the way around the city. It was not a small wall. It was a huge wall. And the Chaldeans were a group of people who defeated the Jewish people. And they destroyed the walls to the city of Jerusalem. Now, this made a mockery of the Jews. You know, people thought, oh, your God is not that great and that big and that powerful if, if your God's going to let you be destroyed by another group of people. So these walls, once they were destroyed, once they were torn down, they stayed torn down for over 120 years. Nobody did anything to bring the walls back into existence. Tens of thousands of Jewish people would see these walls and, and nobody could rally behind the cause until this guy named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah did not live in Jerusalem, which I think is one of the interesting things about this. He didn't live there. His brother was in Jerusalem and came back and told him about this, this city. And he told him about how it lay in ruin. And how the walls had been destroyed. And so Nehemiah found that there was this burden in his heart and in his soul. He fasted. He went without food. He wept. And he prayed. And he prayed, God, show me. Show me a way. Hear my prayers. Forgive us of the times that we've strayed from you, forgive us of our sins, and, and God, show us how it is that you want us to unite together to be the people that you've called us to be. Nehemiah saw this problem. He, he had this burden on his heart. And so he used his strengths to rally the people. And guess what? For walls that had laid in ruin for over 120 years, in 52 days, Nehemiah rallied the people and they rebuilt the walls. His story is fascinating and, and much more detailed than all this, the how that he did it. But the bottom line is that he did. In the book of Proverbs, there's one scripture verse that I want us to focus on this morning. It is Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. 
Where there is no vision, the people perish. Years ago, there was a very, very, very successful United Methodist Church. It was one of our fastest growing in our annual conference. And they did this capital campaign, which is where you unite together and you hope that you're going to collect some money for a cause, for a vision. They did this campaign. It was multiple millions of dollars. People were pledging $100,000 per family. Some families, they were, they were really hitting on all cylinders. Great things were happening in this church. It was record growth. And they had a, a vision team. A, a friend of mine was the pastor there at the time. And he called together this group of people and said, okay, what's our vision? And consequently... This meeting happened after their big building campaign and they built this this beautiful family life center and community center, multiple millions of dollars. Remember, they they did all that, they built all that and, and then the pastor said, okay, but what's your vision? There was no answer. For so long, their vision had been to build a building because, you know, like the field of dreams... If you build it, they'll come. That wasn't working so good. So now this church had, you know, still millions of dollars worth of debt. No new people. The pastor's sitting there looking at this, this vision team and saying, okay, you got from here to here, which is great, but how are you going to get from here to there? You have to have a vision. And he read that scripture to them. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Just like that was true when that church Just like it's true in our lives, it was also true in the time of Nehemiah. And he had a burden. He had a vision. He wanted to restore their holy and their sacred city. And so he did. He used his strengths. And that's why I think it's so important for us to to look at these. They're real. And I know that church is supposed to be a place where, and worship's supposed to be a place where we can come together and we hear scripture and we leave feeling all warm and fuzzy. But I also think it's a place to educate. And I think if I've had the honor and privilege of learning something that changes lives of people that I see, I want to share it with you. So I am asking for your forgiveness and for your permission to to do worship a little different these next three weeks and actually share with you something that is secular. It's not biblical, but it can be tied to biblical things. Because I do believe that each of us in this room and worshiping online, we have a vision. God puts something on each of our hearts that that we should do. It's up to us to embrace that vision, to find our strengths and to use the skills and the talents and the wisdom that God gives us to make a difference in this world. So what's your burden and what's your vision? Nehemiah, one of the interesting things about his story is that when he called all the people together to rally them to actually be working on the wall, you know, their enemies and their foes didn't stop. I mean, not only did they make fun of them while they were doing this because, you know, the wall had already been destroyed and laid there for over 120 years. Why did they think all of a sudden now they could, they could make a difference? Nehemiah relied on God and his faith in God to to hold it all together. And then he coached them and he led them. And he told them, as you build the wall, I want you to hold a, a tool, a construction tool in one hand. 
And I want you to hold a weapon in the other. That's metaphorically true for our lives. You know, there is always, and certainly we can see it in our world and in our community today, there are two forces that exist in this world. There is a force of good that we hope to hold on to and channel and embrace in our souls. And then there is an opposing force, an evil force, and it is equally at work. We don't talk about it a lot. You know, the personification of that evil, that dark force we refer to as Satan. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't like to think about it. But when we are doing God's work, when you are living in God and in love, don't be surprised when all of a sudden all this crap and this junk starts coming at you from all angles. And it seems really hard to, to withstand that. That's just how life happens. Nehemiah knew that. So when he was getting them to rebuild the walls, he told them, you know, hold a construction tool in one hand, hold a weapon in the other. And he led them in faith and in prayer. This morning, I want you to think about what causes you concern, what keeps you up at night that's not focused on yourself, that's focused on other people. And now I want you to look at these strengths that come in the, the executing domain. There are four domains in Clifton Strengths Finder, and probably you have some strengths in every single domain, but you most likely are stronger in one than another. You have the executing domain, which means basically you work really, really hard and you get things done. And we're going to look in more detail in just a second. But the other ones are influencing. You have the power to influence people. Relationship building. You get along well with other people. You have this, this strength called woo. You like people. And you find it really easy to build relationships. And the final one is strategic thinking. You can think about things in a different and a unique way and... And then find solutions. This morning though we're going to look at executing. And I, I want us to look through these rather quickly. Here are the strengths that you will find in the executing domain. Achiever. Arranger. Someone that has belief. Consistency. Deliberative. Discipline. Focus. Responsibility. And restorative. There are nine different strengths in every single domain. So look at those for just a second. And think about, do any of those sound like you? Remember, what, is, what are you innately good at? Achiever, arranger, belief, consistency, deliberative, discipline, focus, responsibility, and restorative. And now we're going to look at those individually, one by one. Achiever. People that are extremely hard workers and they have a knack for knowing what is most important. So when you're presented with a problem, you just, you just seem to know, okay, I don't need to mess with all that right now. I need to focus on this one thing. This is what matters the most. That's what describes an achiever. Next. An arranger. That's someone who makes decisions from a bird's eye view. They float above the mess and figure out the chaos and find a solution. Nehemiah would have been an arranger. He had never been to Jerusalem before at all. 
But he, but he knew enough to figure out what the problem was and how he could address the Persian king and get the needed tools and resources that he would need, which that within itself was a big deal, and then travel to Jerusalem and unite and rally the troops. Next, belief. Someone that has strong, unchanging, deeply held beliefs that guide their lives. You know, when we hear about things like Charlottesville, it's, it's tragic and it's sad. And we find ourselves, you know, furious about acts of hate and violence that happen. But I always think it's important for us to ask ourselves why things happen. You know, we have to also always look at things from the eyes of the other people. You know, even though we think that the acts that were committed were acts of violence and hatred and, and prejudice and, and racism, I guarantee you if the folks that were in that supremacist group were to take the strengths finder, one of their strengths would be belief. They get behind something and it is their core value. Years ago, I found myself sitting across the table from someone who disagreed with me about the Confederate flag. I mean, I personally was a proponent for the removal of it flying, uh, but we can agree to disagree on that. But I never thought about the opposing opinion until I sat across the table from someone that was a, a history major. And he said, but it, it's a part of our heritage and it's a part of our history. And you're trying to take that away. And you're trying to pretend that it didn't happen. He, he said, I believe that we all are created equal and there should be no prejudice, but the blood that was shed and, and the war that was fought and the lives that were sacrificed, all those things added up to get us to where we are here and now. He said, have you ever thought about that? The answer was no. He caused me to open my own mind and, and see things a little differently. Belief is a strength that many people possess. It also has a shadow side when we take it to extremes. The next strength that I want us to look at is consistency. We seek balance in all situations and want to ensure that everyone is treated the same. Next, deliberative, determined to make the right decision. Might ponder the decision for a while, but once you make it, you can bet it'll be awesome. Next, discipline. People provide organizations, structure, and details so that others can work more efficiently and achieve their full potential. That's what Nehemiah did when he rallied all the troops. Can you imagine how many people it would have taken to rebuild those walls in just 52 days? He clearly had the strength of discipline, focus, align to a goal, and push other things aside so that they can achieve that goal. Seven years ago when West began as a, a campus of Williamson's Chapel, one of the strengths of our launch and leadership team was that we were deliberative and we had focus. 
The point of West was to not be like every other United Methodist Church or every other great church in our local area. Rocky Mount sits right down the street over there. Williamson's Chapel sits over there. And why would anybody want to come worship in a high school auditorium? We realized we had to be different. We had to appeal to people that were never going to walk through the doors of a traditional church. So that's why we made the decisions that we made. And that's why we do the things that we do even today, like sing Eye of the Tiger in worship. The next time you hear that song on the radio, probably you'll think, we did that at church. That's bizarre. Why would we have done that at church? Because we're all called to be champions. We're all called to have a burden that God puts on us and then use our strengths to achieve that burden so we can make a difference in this world. Having focus is important. And having focus is also hard. Because not everybody agrees with your focus. But when we start veering from the focus, then that's when things get messed up. Nehemiah had his focus and he used his his strength to achieve success. Next, responsibility, dependable and reliable, will get things done and commit to what they can complete. They work hard and are dedicated to the end. And next, restorative, can view a situation and figure out what the problem is then either solve the problem or find others that can. Do any of those words sound like you this morning? What can you do with the strengths that you've been given? We wanna do something a little different today. One of our core values at West is to have fun. Last week was heavy. We celebrated the bash and we uh, have this call that we need to embrace our strengths. So last Sunday was a heavy day of worship and this morning is heavy as well. I don't know how we can not be aware of the tragedies that go on in our midst and the hatred that does exist. But the other thing that probably is weighing on many of our hearts, or I hope it is, is the situation with North Korea and Guam and nuclear missiles. You know, I I don't like to mix politics and religion, but I also do believe we are called to be a people of prayer. Nehemiah's been on the docket to be preached about for months. The first thing that he did when he saw a problem was was pray. There isn't a lot that any of us can do in this room to deal with the situation in North Korea, but we can be a people of prayer. We can pray for our leaders, whether you like them or not, is totally irrelevant. We can pray for them. I can't imagine the burden of being the president and, and the chief advisors and all those people that have to make those really tough decisions. And we can also pray for the heart of the leader of North Korea. We can't imagine what it means to be driven by that much competition and, and, and hate or whatever it is that causes people to want to launch missiles that will undoubtedly wipe out throngs of people. War seems very far away most of the time. Lately, it doesn't seem so much. If we're a people of God and we're a people of faith, I think we're called to be like Nehemiah and I think we're called to pray. 
So all that's really heavy. But I also think that there is something that we can do to lighten the mood just a little, but also make the point. Now, you're probably not going to like this, so I'm just going to go on and let you know that now. But we are going to do a little West karaoke this morning. You're going to get to stay in the dark auditorium. We're not going to turn up the lights. But I am going to ask that you like move to the center. And I have a point of doing this. So if you'll just gather your belongings and just move in. If you do me this favor, I would be forever grateful. Just I want you to be closer to each other. You don't have to be touching, but just closer to each other. And would you clap if you've ever done karaoke? Clap if that's your worst nightmare. Well, good. It is also mine. But we're going to do it together because I want us to remember when we leave today and in the days ahead. We all have strengths. And if we will be like people in scripture, you know, we're just like they were. There's nothing unique and different about us than Nehemiah. You could be a Nehemiah. If we find the burden that's been placed on our hearts and, and use the strengths that we have to try to conquer it. So we're going to karaoke the song, We Are the Champions, this morning. And then we're going to have a closing illustration and, and end with a worshipful song. But I want you to really try to do this with me, all right? So if you'll stand up, and Adam is going to come out here so I will not make a fool of myself alone. And karaoke with me, we are the champions. I've paid my dues.
Thank you. You may be seated. Give yourselves a hand. You did do really, really well. I promise I won't make you do that again for at least two more years. The bottom line is we all have strengths. And we're called to be champions for something. It doesn't have to be the same things. But imagine if there are 300 people that worship regularly at West, what if we all became a champion for something? Can you imagine the difference that we'll make in the world? Whether your strengths are in executing or influencing or relationship building or strategic thinking, we're all good at something. May our prayer this week be, God, show us, give us a burden so that we can be the force of change and good and positivity and love in this world. Let us pray. Gracious God, will you show us who it is that you would have us to be? You have created each of us in your image and we all have strengths. Perhaps we've gone through our lives and let other people tell us what our strengths are not and caused us to self-doubt. But God, you have given us innate abilities that do come naturally to each of us. May we explore those and may we carry a vision, capture a vision in our hearts and be burdened for you so that we can be a force of love and change in this world and so that we don't have to be afraid of the powers of darkness that exist. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We each have the opportunity to be like the mouse in the mousetrap. We each have a chance to, to hold on to the strengths that God has given each of us and then use them because we do have the God of angel armies on our side and no foe can defeat us as long as that is what we hold on to. May we go and may we be a people of power and a people of strength in Christ's name. Amen.